Hi, Kirsten Lovett here from Now Moment Journey, the Now Moment Journey podcast. And I thought I'd just talk to you guys a little bit today about music and how it relates to what I do as a shamanic coach and some would call it a shamanic practitioner. Um, I am, I, I do a variety of things, uh, but for today's purposes, uh, I'm called a shamanic coach or shamanic practitioner. I also, you know, read tarot and I, um, I'm an animist uh, educator, which means I, you know, that comes up in uh, various teachings that I do. Um, and I also facilitate a free Facebook group that focuses on Nordic animism and also European animism, you know, Northern European, also European, um, especially pre-Christian uh, animism. So um, I thought I'd talk a little bit today about, because as you can see by the Christmas tree back here, this particular podcast episode is being recorded during the Christmas holidays. And so during this time of year, I tend to like focus more on music anyway, because I think that music is a big part of the holidays in general for most people. And it really is for me too. So um, maybe that's why I'm talking about this today. And I thought it might be an interesting kind of segue into sort of some of the things that I experience uh, with shamanism and maybe perhaps how I help people. Um, because I find that this podcast has been really wonderful at least for me to do because it's really helping me to communicate things that are hard for me to communicate. That's it in a nutshell. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why some of these things are hard to communicate and some of them have to do with history and uh, not just my personal history, but like history in general. Um, and that is kind of a whole other ball of wax there, but I think sometimes with shamanism, various different areas come into play that are maybe most people don't consider to be shamanistic. And so that's, today I'd like to just talk a little bit about music. Um, if we look at, and I'll tell you my, about my background a little bit with music, but if we look at like, I don't know if you've ever seen any kinds of like videos on <clears throat> if you don't have any experience with shamanism or animism or any kind of like uh, folklore or things like that you might not be familiar with this idea but if you are you've probably seen like plenty of videos or film footage or whatever that music comes into play quite prominently in pretty much all the traditional cultures worldwide um, when I say that, I mean Caucasian as well as, um, you know, uh, other kinds of traditional cultures, whether they from, be from Asia or uh, North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Australia, etc. So, you know, music, for example, one of the areas that I study and actually uh, I say that I study it because I don't teach Nepali shamanism. I, I study it, but I use it um, respectfully, of course, um, pretty often. Uh, I, I won't say that I do it every day because I do tend to not be as consistent as I'd like to be. Um, I think you're supposed to do it every day. And those are uh, chants, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, perhaps not the kinds that I'm talking about, but you've heard of chanting in general. And so that's a form of music, of course, vibration. And so at least that allows me to uh, practice some kind of music every day, but in the way that's being practiced, it's much more of an energy kind of, um, well, it, uh, healing really, because that's the ultimate goal. But I think also it's an energy 
uh, I don't want to say disruptor, but you know, if you know that you wake up, if you're a sensitive person, highly sensitive person or a person who's an empath, you're usually kind of aware at some point, it may not happen right away, but usually kind of aware um, when your energy isn't quite feeling great, you know, like you're like, mm, something feels weird or, or it could be really, really like drastic. Like you're like, whoa, something is really like not, you know, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I'll be honest with you. I did that today. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, metaphorically speaking, of course. And, um, uh, I was very happy eventually after some mental kind of like, you know, I really don't want to do this, but I did it anyway. I did my mantras um, and they are associated with, um, I'm not supposed to talk about it, so I, I can't tell you any, but anyway, I did the mantras and I, I did feel better. And I think it's because um, you'll notice those of you watching the video, there's like the sun is like right in my room. So this is like the perfect time to record because <laughs> the lighting's actually pretty good here. From, um, but anyway, um, the energy, if it's un, undesirable energy, that's a good thing to have energy disrupted so that you feel like your, your body feels better, your mind, your spirit, et cetera. You're, you're, for those of you familiar with, you know, the different energetic fields outside of the body, feel much more cleansed and, and uh, protected and, and resilient as, as opposed to kind of heavy. I think, um, if you're familiar with, uh, I'm also a student of Andean mysticism, um, and as well as um, Sather. But in Andean mysticism, one of the things that the Pacos, which are, that's the name for the kind of shaman uh, priest, and the priest is used differently in that culture. But anyway, the, the medicine man, let's say, or woman, um, they tend to look at energy as either heavy or light. So I think that really resonates with people who are sensitive to vibration and you know who you are. You're usually somebody who maybe you're clairaudient like I am, or you love music and you're very sensitive to it. Like, and I think musicians who become trained you know, heighten their abilities because they, they have to do it in their um, practicing. So it's kind of like a, it's a conscious thing, but even if you're not a trained musician and you just have a natural ability for that, or if you, um, you know, you sense things, your, your perception is very heightened. Um, and then some people have sensitivities in in different areas, you know, uh, obviously you've heard of clairvoyance or clairsentience, clear um cognizance etc you know those kinds of things so i don't want to get into that right now but getting back to um i was trying to kind of relate like what the various indigenous cultures that i continue to learn from or have learned from um in the past and by uh maintaining relationships and I have to define again what a relationship is in the context of what I'm talking about today. A relationship in the context of what I'm talking about today is not necessarily one with a human person. Um, let's just call them spirit relationships because sometimes it's, at least in my life, most of the time the work that I do is mostly um, invisible. <laughs> You know, spirit. And I think a lot of people who work with um, deities, or you know, let's say somebody who's involved in uh, uh, you know Nordic animism or or European folklore, or they follow, you know, you've heard of Wiccas or you know various different kinds of practices in that in that tradition. Um, you know the idea of let's say it would be the similar thing as lighting a candle to a saint in a catholic church you know the saint isn't physically there in a in a human form but you would be honoring the saint you know uh, and light light the candle in that person's name so it's kind of like that in a way 
um, that's, that's kind of a relationship, you know, when a person does that, believe it or not, when somebody goes into a Catholic church, like, let's say you go into a cathedral and you light a candle, you're kind of making a relationship with that saint by lighting a candle. And of course, people who do that for their loved ones, you know, they already are in a relationship with, with their loved ones because they're related or they, you know, already had a relationship or have, or continue to have one, et cetera. So I just wanted to define that just so to be clear about that. It's not always human to human. Sometimes it's human to, you know, spirit. Sometimes it's human to a specific kind of spirit, like a plant spirit or an animal spirit. Um, so music. So why do I keep bringing this up today? Well, I don't know. It's just been on my mind a lot. And I, I guess I kind of wanted to let you guys know, podcast listeners who have been really wonderful and thank you for listening. Um, maybe you didn't know this about me because I haven't really gone out of my way to talk about a lot of my background. And I'll probably just try and do that in bits and pieces. So as far as my degrees are concerned, I have a bachelor's in music, vocal performance, and then I have a master's in music, vocal pedagogy performance. Pedagogy is just a fancy name for the art of how to teach something, whatever that the, the word is before that. So if it was soccer pedagogy, it would be the art of how to teach soccer. So my focus in um, my graduate degree was with not only performing, which, you know, I don't, for those of you, well, most people don't know this unless you've actually been in a music graduate degree. Music is a little different in a scholastic area than other areas. And this is why it relates to shamanism. Uh, it's similar to shamanism in this one. There's one or two areas that I wanted to bring up similarities. And that's why I'm making this podcast today. One is, and I'm thinking of a, actually a, a friend of mine from my bachelor years, uh, bachelor of music years, my undergraduate years. Um, you know how it is when you go through your semester, you get to the end of the semester and you have exams. Well, you know, you have that like week or 10 days of um, taking your exams and, you know, getting them all like lined up and everything. And I remember I was talking to this friend of mine and she and I both had a lot of friends also who were not in music as well as, you know, friends that were, were in music. And we would talk to our non, when I'm saying non-music majors, in other words, our non-music majors, they usually weren't artists. They weren't, you know, visual artists or theater artists or anything. They were like, you know, I don't know, like business degree people or marketing people or whatever. And they were also stressed out because they had to study for their exams too. And they had to get, you know, prepared and all that stuff. And, you know, what, what everybody has to do that, no matter what degree, of course, of course, that's true. This is in, in undergraduate. But I remember she and I would both talk about how we would talk to our non-music degree friends about during finals, it's really hard if you're a musician, because in addition to um, taking your exams and preparing for those, which are usually in written form anyway, like their tests and various, and sometimes it's oral, sometimes you have to do certain kinds of you know, speeches and whatnot, or performances, of course. Um, but in a very closed situation, it's not like a fun performance at all. It's like, you know, it's basically a test, you know, um, but you have to practice and practicing for, it varies, you know, vocal people tend to practice, I think in shorter, shorter spans of time, like they, they'll practice maybe, you know, a half hour to an hour. I don't know a lot of vocalists that practice for like four hours straight because it's really not a good idea. Um, but they tend to practice maybe at least for an hour, um, but you do that every day. And sometimes you do an hour in the morning and then you have to come back and maybe do another half hour at night. But in addition to the actual practicing, and a lot of this isn't just random singing, you have to sit down and you have to go through your music and you have to write it out. You have to play it on the piano. You have to figure out what the words are. You have to translate the words. 
you have to figure out the characterization of the song. I mean, there's a lot of layers to, you know, at least from a vocal aspect. Instrumental, same thing. You gotta sit down, work out the tech, technical side of it, um, then eventually learn the artistry side of it. And then, because I studied piano for many years, so I, I you know, and I had kind of a minor, I had a kind of an unofficial minor in college. It wasn't really an official minor, but anyway, I'd studied for many years. And so, same thing. Um, you know, if you're playing an instrument or if you're singing or doing whatever as a major in undergraduate, you're doing that on top of all the sit down with your book and study your chemistry final and your accounting final and your English lit final and your whatever other, you know, subjects you have. So it's a lot more energy that you have to put out at the end of the semester. And, you know, it's just something that non-music majors don't understand and they don't take into account. So why am I bringing this up? And I'm going to bring up another point that's a little different, but I bring this up today because, um, let's see, you can tell the sun, sun has passed now. <laughs> Uh, so um, I bring this up because I think this is true for people in shamanic, um, you know, if you're a shamanic studies person, somebody who has to keep up a practice of energy work in order to maintain, you're like an athlete. Let me use another analogy. It's the same thing with, actually, I should have, I should have said this. The only other group of people that would understand this that I can think of are athletes, because athletes, if they were majoring like a you know physical education major or a sports therapist or something like that, would probably have to keep up some kind of um, athletic um, aptitude, you know, in order to teach and whatnot. You know what I mean? So, um, or if, especially if they were going to go into coaching eventually, like be a soccer coach or a basketball coach or something like that. And, you know, if we're looking at Olympics, same thing, you know, somebody who's like going to, you know, audition, uh, try out for a team or something, you know, like a really, you know, professional team, they're clearly going to have to do, you know, hours and hours and hours of like, you know, training and, you know, at the gym and with their coach and, you know, et cetera. So, and that's outside of the classroom while they're studying. So an athlete would definitely be the same situation. Somebody who has to um, spend time crafting their skill and it's not with a book you know they, they can't just do it with a book they have to do the books and the practice so you catch my drift so yeah athletes totally totally get it athletes and musicians are totally in the same boat and and even you know visual artists and theater people um I think all the artists and, you know, whether it's visual, visual or audio, you know, creative, any kind of thing where you have to practice, 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 practice all the time. Same thing with shamanism. I am, I can give you a tarot reading without doing my shamanic practices that I have to do. And I, I sometimes find them bothersome, but most of the time I like doing them because I feel better afterwards. It's kind of like exercise only better, but I bring this up because it's a practice. So if you're looking for a shamanic practitioner, if you're just looking for a tarot reader, reader and there's some really good tarot readers out there, then that you don't have to worry about whether these people are keeping up some kind of um, regular shamanic or traditional practice, energy practice. Um, I'm trying to find a kind of generic way of putting this. That's not as necessary for a tarot reading. What it is necessary for is if you're gonna need some kind of healing, either one-on-one, -on -one, or you're gonna need some help with areas that are closer to what I do, which is I deal with, um, I use mediumistic and also shamanic techniques to kind of guide people into how to build these relationships with plant spirits and animal spirits and stone spirits. Shamanic journeying is involved in what I do. So if I'm going to do a shamanic journey with you or anyone else, 
I have to prepare myself like a couple hours beforehand, if not more. And that's not as relevant to know. I mean, maybe someday I'll tell you about what I do, but that's not exactly um, the details of what I do aren't as important as for today, at least as telling you, I have to do these things so that I can get my energy body. Cause there's a thing called the energy body in a place where um, it's ready to go, you know, and work with the medicine body, either with a group of people, with one person on the internet, online, whatever. So, and it's, it's really at, for the benefit of all involved. It's kind of like the equivalent of, I'd say that it's the equivalent of a surgeon washing his hands or her hands before going into the operating room. Now it's a dramatic example. Okay. But it is kind of, it, it's a little bit like that because you're, you're prepping your body uh, to say, okay, we're doing, we're doing energy work here. We're doing, it's very, it's, it's invisible. Um, which is why most people think it's, or I should say a lot of people think it's, you know, woo woo or whatever until something happens to them. And then they realize, Oh, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this. Um, but it's very important to make sure I, I'm, kind of saying this because there's a lot of people who are mediums and psychics and I'd say some of those psychic people and I consider myself a, a medium and psychic as well but when you can bet when I do any kind of reading that involves mediumship which you know by the way the reading that I sell on my Etsy store does have that um, I have to do a shamanic practice after I give the reading and it's, it's very short it doesn't take me very long but I need to do it to disconnect from the person's field because I, I actually connect to their field, give the reading, and this is all in you know distance. It's not like these people aren't right in front of me, but I need to disconnect, you know, otherwise it just stays right there the whole time. That's that's not healthy for anybody, you know. So you can see. My similarity, the similarity I'm talking about is practice. And it's usually practice outside of, you know, any other studies that you're doing. And there is a, a, a significant amount of, of book learning going on in, um, if you're a shamanic practitioner, you know, there is, depends on the tradition you're studying. I mean, you know, if you grow up uh, Kind of learning from your grandfather about the traditions of your ancestors which is very unusual for people at least in north america unless you're a native american then you you know you might have a, a nice um, memory of that but most people you know even in north america don't have a background like that so and i mean you know a lot of the traditional peoples do but Getting back to music, what I'm saying is there is, and I'm saying this to you as somebody who, if you're going to, uh, you know, look for somebody who is a healer or a shamanic practitioner or even a Reiki practitioner, just keep in mind, you know, maybe ask them, you know, what kinds of, what kinds of practices do they do or background do they have, you know, that keeps their energy body, you know, functioning properly because that's kind of like the equivalent of saying you know if you were to go up to some professional athlete and you wanted some tips on how to bat better or something you'd say you know what's the kind of bat that you use and then what kinds of what kinds of you know uh push-ups do you you know what kind of workout uh, exercises do you do so you can build up your arm strength so that you can you know uh swing the bat better. I'm sorry, I'm a little out of my league here. No pun intended, get it. Uh, but you, you get what I'm saying. You know, what are the things that you have to do to prepare yourself so that you can do your work? That's the bottom line there. So a lot of people, when they think of things like shamanism and being a psychic or doing a tarot reading or, you know, doing energy work, they think, oh, somebody just rolls out of bed and they just do it. It's magic. Well, it is magic, sort of, but there's a lot of preparatory work and it's 
very conscious and very studied. Um, so, um, and some of it you have to kind of learn on your own. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we've, we've lost over the last 2000 years. So, um, that's a whole nother story. So getting back to music, there's a second thing I wanted to talk to you about. The second thing I wanted to mention is, and this comes from my graduate school days, and I'm not going to name my teachers' names, but I'm very thankful to my teachers in that I received in graduate school because, because of my pedagogy training, um, I had a very, very, I had several very good teachers, but I'm thinking of one teacher in particular right now um, who's no longer with us. And he was very good about telling people, and this is for voice, okay? So, so he was training us to be vocal teachers. And at the time I was very, very much focused on becoming a professor and teaching at the collegiate level um, you know, like undergraduate voice or something like that. And so you had to learn things like, you had to learn the, you know, the, the anatomy and physiology pretty much from, well, you definitely had to learn from here up, but we also had to learn like about the thoracic cage and the, you know, different muscles in your back. And, um, but you definitely had to learn about the different, you know, anatomy and physiology of the, of the throat and the larynx, et cetera. But it didn't stop there. Um, that was kind of like more of the nuts and bolts part of it. I think the part that there was also frequency involved and in that he was very interested in voice science, you know, which was definitely into ties into, you know, actual vowels having certain frequencies, frequencies meaning uh, cycles per second. So that's one thing one of the few, I probably diss myself too much in the science background because I have a little bit of a kind of knee-jerk reaction to it. But I do remember this, frequency equals cycles per second. So even he would say, you know, if you sang an eval, it would have a certain number attached to that cycles per second. An A vowel, an a vowel would have a different number, et cetera, et cetera. A, E, O, U, you know, all different. So the reason I bring that up is, and this isn't the important part, but this is kind of just a sidebar. I thought that was interesting all these years later. And by the way, it's, it's also in my mind because 25 years ago, I actually got my master's. So I guess I've been thinking about it a lot more because of that, um, because of the timing. But um, it's interesting when people talk about vib vibration now, uh, people who aren't in music and they're just interested in like frequency. And you hear that a lot, you know, especially in consciousness studies, you know, or people who are just interested in raising their vibration, so to speak. There's really something to it, you know, um, as long as it doesn't get used as a vehicle for shaming other people. <laughs> but um, it, there really is something to it because when you do certain work that does involve music, especially your own voice and you're singing, and in my case, I'm lucky enough to have studied with these traditional teachers, this one traditional teacher, uh, I'm sorry, I'm changing topics here for a second, but because I've been able to study with this traditional teacher, I'm able to utilize a classical training I've gotten with singing and use it in a way that's, you know, helping me to heal my own energy fields. And a lot of shamanic practitioners and traditional medicine people will tell you that unhappiness, let's, I don't want to call anything worse than it is, unhappiness that occurs to a person, uh, according to the shaman, usually comes from outside in what I mean by that is it's like in the energy body and the physical part is usually the last part. I th think that's correct. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but that's generally a fairly common um, perception. And when you consider that uh, energy fields and, and vibratory 
resilience, I guess. It's kind of like something that maybe, you know, I, I want to learn more about it. So, so that's one part of it. But here's the part, here's the real kicker I want to tell you that my teacher told me, my voice teacher. And this had to do with voice. And I think it applies to people teaching either shamanism, animism, shamanic healing, uh, Reiki, uh, anything that's like invisible, you know, and anything that's not just invisible, but is from a spiritual either background or it could be from an actual tradition. One, he, he said a lot of things, but I'll give you one or two things. He said, look, you've got a half hour to an hour with a person. Let's say it's you, you and another client. Make the most of it. If you're going to use your voice, because a lot of people who teach voice use their actual voices singing to demonstrate, you know, how to, you know, what the, what the kind of tone they're looking for. He would say, you know, don't waste your time just singing for no reason hoping that the student will get it have an idea of what goal you want to reach you know with the student for example the student walks in you assess you know what the problems are you know especially if it's an ongoing student it's a lot easier because you kind of know what their issues are but even a first-time student they come in they tell you you know what's going on or what they've been doing whatever their background is you have to listen to them a little bit you know and figure out maybe what areas need to fo be focused on first. And then, you know, by that time, you know, let's say that that's like 15 minutes have gone by, right? And, or more. And uh, let's, if you have a half an hour with them, well, shoot, it's almost over, right? But if you have an hour with them, then you can say, okay, we're gonna try a couple things out here. We're gonna look at, you know, what areas you, you know, need some help in. The way you choose to do that as a practitioner or shamanic practitioner or a voice teacher, if you let your ego go nuts and crazy on you and, and take over and say, and just start to reminisce about things that, you know, that are totally unrelated to the student, the student's going to walk out confused and like, what? But if you use your stories, it's fine to use your voice. You know, it's fine to demonstrate with your voice, just like it's fine for me to tell you about my experience, which is, you know, when I talk about myself, there, yeah, sure, some of it's performance. Okay, I'll be, I'll be straight with you. But a lot of the times, there's a lot of things that I feel like I want to tell people about on this podcast, because I want them to know they can do it. And I want them to know that this stuff is real. And I want them to know that if they're having problems, that seem like they're in line with something that I could help with that maybe by listening to me talk about these things, they feel a little less, you know, scared or distraught or whatever, or they feel like, Oh, well, wait a minute, this person's doing this kind of thing. Okay. Let me give that a try. Or let me, let me listen to some more, you know, what that person is having to say. But if I sit here and, you know, I had to think about today before I came on, you know, what, what are the things that I would want to hone in on that I was taught? I'd say, number one, that was the first thing I could think of that he said. And if I could take one thing and take it to the shamanic community that's online, at least, not the ones that are in villages somewhere that have traditional peoples that are doing a great job. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who are, and yes, I'm going to get a little bit like persnickety here, but I'm talking about the people who are online who seem to want to go on and on and on about telling you what you should do and how you're a terrible person for thinking that you could do something that an indigenous person could do, blah, 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 blah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, um, we're at a point now where, and this is part of my goal too. So I would say if I was treating this podcast episode today as if you are my voice student I would say one of my goals today is to make sure that you know that one of these things and that is it's fairly clear that we are you can look at the science and say 
we're definitely at a point in climate um, science where we cannot continue to you know, live the way we've been living for the last, some people say it was 500 years. I think some of this stuff was put into place even going back 2000 years, but the, the real crux of it got going, I'd say, you know, 500 years ago, I suppose. But it, there were certainly other times where we were heading this direction before that. So, um, but of course, the, the last 200 years have been particularly, and even more so the last 100 and I guess 20 or 130 years are when we've really, because that's when recorded science has been keeping track of things like global climate, et cetera. If the population of this earth is 100%, and we know traditional indigenous peoples are only 5%, and the reason I can say this with confidence is because I've Googled it and I've looked it up under various <clears throat> you know, expert sources. Somewhere between five and, I'll be generous, 9%. Uh, okay, so if 9% of the entire globe's population is indigenous. And of that indigenous population, we'll be generous and say that 80% of them are practicing reciprocity and traditional ways of like working with the earth, which is essentially what myself and my sister do at Shamanic Earth Medicine. And why did we learn, how did we learn how to do that? Well, some of we, we kind of, um, I don't want to deny the fact that we we also have ancestry that I think led us to this place, okay? But we also had to go and do a lot of work with traditional indigenous cultures, you know, Andean, Carol, um, Nepali, and uh, in her case, she's also worked with uh, a couple other cultures as well. So. I'm not saying I did it all, you know, without any help whatsoever from anybody. Okay. No, of course not. I did it. You know, I, I got a lot of, a lot of help from actual humans who were and are connected to their traditional ways. Okay. So, and yet I'm not a traditional indigenous person. You know what I mean? So, but I've been initiated. So I'm allowed to do these things uh, in certain things, not, not all of it, just certain things. And that's, that's a whole nother story too. But I'm part of the 100%, I should say part of the 95% or the, if you're gonna be generous about it, the 91%, okay? And I'm just like you essentially. I grew up in a suburb, you know, suburban kind of, you know, 20th century fast food. Well, I, you know, I had a pretty good diet at home, but you know what I'm saying? I grew up around a lot of, toxic stuff, just like everybody else does, okay? Every day, still do. Um, we grew up in a society that treats everything like commodities. You know, the earth is a commodity, the water is a commodity, everything's a commodity. That's not how a traditional person looks at it. Okay, so if one of my goals is to get people to relate to the earth, in an animistic way and to have a love in their heart and to really open their heart up to, let's say this tree spirit that's right outside my door or the water that's down, you know, a couple miles, or if they don't have those things, if they're living in a really urban environment, maybe they decide to buy a plant and build a relationship with that plant spirit, you know, because that's the only way they can do that. And they know that they feel better when they do that. Well, if I'm going to sit there and tell them how terrible they are for not, you know, studying with, an, you know, a traditional person or because they've been living their entire lives in a culture that tells them not to respect the earth, that they're a horrible person for doing that or, or any other insulting things. What exactly am I doing? Why, why am I doing that? But there's really no good reason. I mean, I'm not actually helping anybody by telling them that. So the reason I'm saying this is because there's a lot of shamanic practitioners and I, I really, I guess, I'm a, being a little bit of a police person right now. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be like that, but I, I'm a little bothered by 
something that I was lucky enough to receive in vocal pedagogy, which was guidance and wisdom on how to teach people. Maybe if I don't have all the knowledge to teach all the expert things that indigenous people do with great facility and they do. Um, I don't have that kind of background. I'm learning, but what I do know is there's a ton of people out there online. All they're doing all day long is telling you, you know, you don't have to do anything because an indigenous person will do it. Well, guess what? We don't have enough indigenous people on the entire globe to solve our climate crisis. We need everyone, all hands on deck. And if that means all hands on deck, that means me with white skin, you know, suburban, suburban lady um, who's been initiated and trained for, you know, and has been consistently connecting with all of her spirits and doing the offerings and teaching people sacred tobacco and teaching, you know, uh, you know, starting a group with, you know, trying to get people to make offerings to their uh, helping spirits in the Nordic animism uh, tradition, which isn't really, it's, you know, some people say, well, that's not really a intact tradition. Well, it's, we got to work with what we got, right? So, and we try to do that with respect and, you know, do the best we can with it. And I think it's better to try, to try to, to connect with whatever it is, you know, that you feel comfortable with. From my orientation, I've tried to introduce people to the idea of animal, plant, and stone spirits because I've found that those are commonly found in a lot of traditional cultures, um, all three in various different ways. But I just wanted to tell you those two things. One, music and shamanism have a lot in common because you, you wanna keep an eye out for the shamans the practitioners, especially, who say, you know, say, look at their resume or look at what they do. They don't have to have a resume, but, you know, look at whatever they talk about a lot and just see if they, you know, you don't have to pin them down about it, but I mean, just see if they ever mention that they do certain practices, you know, do they make offerings? That's number one, probably number one thing for me. If I was going to study with somebody, I would I would say, do you make offerings like regularly? And if they didn't know what I was talking about, like if I, you know, I could use another word like pagos and, you know, or uh, ofrenda or, you know, whatever their their language was. Maybe they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. I know what you're talking about. But when we do this, you know, we, we do this particular uh, ritual or we do a ceremony or whatever it is to keep up the uh because it's like anything else, you have to keep up. It's like brushing your teeth. It's like doing your exercises. It's like, you know, maintenance, but it's, I'm making it sound like horrible. It's not, it's not like, you know, robotic or anything. It's, it's a way of connecting to the spirits because you need to have some way to connect to the spirits in a way that's um, meaningful to you that, that, that also, and means something to them because they need, they need to work with us too. And if you're interested in ancestral, you know, healing, uh, helping spirits, that's offerings are going to be, you're going to have to get really comfortable with offerings, you know? And if somebody's teaching you ancestral healing without mentioning offerings, I would really be wary of that person. Um, Unless they're saying you don't, you know, you don't have to do it because I'm doing it on your behalf. You know, that's, that's fine. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of people doing this work, unless you're a tarot reader, tarot readers usually don't have to do any of this stuff. They have to do their, they have to do other preparatory, preparatory things. Like they might have to clear their energy fields, which, you know, I have to do that too. And, and that's, that's fine, but they don't, they don't always have to do some of the things that, that shamanic people do, shamanic practitioners or uh, certain kinds of healers. So hopefully I've shown you like similarities in that area between that and music, you know, the practice of music. And most people are aware that, you know, if you're gonna be a 
professional musician, you got to practice. <laughs> You're not going to, even the prodigy isn't going to roll out of bed and just, you know, I mean, at some point they're going to have to practice. Okay. Number two, and then I'll wrap it up. Number two is I really want people to make sure they know if they're looking for a shamanic practitioner or, or a teacher, listen to that teacher in their posts or in their videos or whatever, and just see if, if they ever bring up, um, what their goal is. If their goal is to get you to be healed personally, all right, maybe I'll let them off the hook and say, you know, okay, I don't, that's different. That's kind of like a heightened version of psychotherapy, um, only with energy work. And I know there's a lot of people who do that and that's fine. That's totally cool. But if you're going to get into like, um, you know, more of a shamanistic, you know, things that are outside of you as well. And you will get healed from doing those things. But let's say you want to work with weather spirits. I sometimes do that. Or you want to have a better relationship with sacred tobacco so that you can heal maybe in another area. Well, at some point, I hope that whatever teacher you decide to go with is aware that we also, at this point in time, need to be making sure that we are going forward in a climate that is going to be functioning for human beings. And if they want to believe that, they're going to have to open themselves up, these teachers that I'm at talking about, they're going to have to understand the idea that we have to convince or at least educate people who have grown up in either urban or suburban areas that aren't familiar with these traditional ways of looking at the world, uh, traditional meaning uh, indigenous peoples or, or traditional peoples who grow up in that kind of culture. Because one of the main things they have to understand is we have to eventually, sooner than later, teach people that we have to find ways in our own environment to create spirit relationships with earth spirits, land spirits, so that we can be in harmony with them. It's like almost tantamount to our survival because that's how we used to do things. I'm not saying we have to go back to ancient, like, you know, like prehistoric era. I'm saying there's some things from the past that worked really well. And a couple of the, well, it's probably more than a couple, but you know, some of those things, if they work, maybe we should be practicing them. And the indigenous people have kept that, that are still survived. You know, there's a lot of people that got killed off and they weren't all, they were of a variety of backgrounds all around the table. Maybe there's some, you know, credence to what these surviving indigenous peoples have maintained after all these years. But where the problem is, is, and this is what reminds me of my pedagogy teacher. I don't see anybody like my pedagogy teacher walking into a room of these shamanic practitioners and saying, what are you people focusing on with your clients and your students? Because all I seem to hear or see is kind of irrelevant points to your goals. What are your goals? I just told you my goal, right? So I'll just pretend to be my pedagogy teacher. If I had these people in front of me that are also, you know, shamanic coaches or energy practitioners, I would say, what is it? What's your goal? If you just want to heal people, okay, that's cool. But at some point, you know, if you want to keep living on this earth, we're going to have to also start accepting and practicing uh things like offerings and relating to the spirit of a plant or an animal or the land because we need to be in communion with the earth in order to continue to survive on the earth because let's face it the earth will continue with or without us but that's that's like pretty obvious i would like for us humans to continue to be here <sighs> Yeah, you know, I'm sure you would too. So 
today's episode maybe it's been a little bit uh sparky but um and you know maybe i'll tell you a little bit more about the um my music background but i i think of the reason i brought it up especially is because leadership is very lacking as far as like a a group essence in a lot of fields i mean i'm not even talking about politics i'm talking about there isn't really a whole lot of leadership of groups of people trying to agree on the same things and saying we need to make sure this is a priority because everybody's kind of doing their own thing and that's understandable because you know everybody has a small business or you know maybe a slightly bigger business whatever you know and everybody's trying to survive and that's cool but at some point you know i hope that it's apparent to you what some of my priorities are yes i'm i'm here to talk to you so that you will you know listen to what i have to say and you know maybe take it into account and try out some of the things that i tell you but speaking of something that i could tell you to do today for example here's something i learned from one of um, my teachers and that's comes from the andean uh, perspective and this is something i think even the um just you know everyday people do in peru and i'll show it to you right now and we'll end after this so i've got a glass of water here right you take my finger and go like this and what i'm doing is i'm tapping my little finger with a little bit of water onto the ground saying gracias pachamama and if you don't want to say gracias pachamama and you just want to say thank you mother earth or thank you you know whatever makes you happy. Thank you, Gaia. Thank you. I'm just used to saying gracias Pachamama. Pachamama is mother space time. Um, and let's see, uh, Mama Ipa would be like the equivalent to mother earth, at least from what I learned. And then Uno Mama would be water and Waira Mama would be wind. And uh, Nina Mama would be fire and either Kocha Mama or Mama Kocha would be like the mother of the sea. But I'll show you one more time. So you take your finger, right? Gracias Pachamama. So the, the droplets go in the water. So you're not like pouring the entire thing on the, you know, on the floor <laughs> and you won't get the floor wet that way. But it's like you're expressing your, your thanks for mother space time or Mother Earth, and they're different, but for our purposes today. So that's something you can do, and it's not hard, and it's not something you need to be trained or initiated into. And if everybody did that every day, we'd be a lot further along, you know? So maybe maybe somebody will listen to this and tell a couple of their friends, and <laughs> you never know what might happen after that. So I hope you enjoyed today, and, um, if you want to get into, I want to suggest two things. Um, one is three things actually. One is I I'm trying to put the link to my quiz. Are you an animal, plant, or stone spirit archetype? In the show notes or in the details of this video, um, or if you're listening um, on the podcast, it's in the details. So you can take that quiz there and find out what resonates with you. <clears throat> The other thing I wanted to mention is um, we're actually finishing up a year at um, the free Facebook group that I um, moderate, uh, which is kind of a discussion uh, where we meet once a month. And we've been following along with Runa Rasmussen's uh, Nordic Animist Year, which is uh, his research about different uh what they call prim stop dates or, you know, so for example, Yule Day, which just happened yesterday, uh, which is also Christmas Day, of course. Uh, there's certain things you can do to honor the ancestors or honor the deities um, involved. Uh, Odin is a, a big, um, you know, force this time of year, as well as some other deities and Freya as well, of course. And they all float in and out. Hulda. Hulda came up recently. She had a Hulda's Eve was 
uh, recent. And of course, he uh, his book is based on a lot of research that he's done. So that's <clears throat> if you're looking to kind of get into um, honoring, you don't have to have a Nordic background because a lot of this stuff, for example, there's a lot of uh, Nordic uh, or I should say traces of Nordic traditions that kind of morphed a little bit. And once the uh, Vikings kind of ended up in, you know, Scotland and England and Ireland, it, they kind of morphed in there too. So, I mean, there's a lot of people from the British Isles who, even if it's, it's not Nordic, uh, like, you know, Norwegian or Scandinavian, there's, there's still some, there's a lot of similarities between, um, you know, I'm sure somebody from Europe would be like, oh, no, there's not. Well, there kind of is actually. <laughs> They're not exactly the same but there are some similarities. So um, if you're interested in kind of like piecing together the different um, traces of, and this is mostly based on this very much pre-Christian. Um, I mean, there's some research that happens during Christianity, of course, <clears throat> because I, in fact, I think almost all of it is, is based on, you know, during the Christian era, of course. But we're looking at some of the pre-Christian like um, uh, inspiration, you know, those those times, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And we're going to get into another book next year. Um, I'm not going to announce the book yet, but it's it's somebody who focuses on land spirits. So that will help you with your own like domicile where you live right now. You don't have to be living in Europe or North America. You can be living in, you know, any anywhere on an island in the middle of the Pacific. And we're gonna to try to learn about what this author has to teach us about how we can relate to our houses and our, you know, in a, in a, like in a reciprocity sort of way, in a house white way, in a land spirit way, because these things are real, I mean. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to tell you about is I like to usually mention that uh, our Patreon is the kind of community, if you wanna learn about shamanic journeying, if you want to experience those journeys with a community online, if you want to learn about sacred tobacco, how to respectfully work with it and even learn how to eventually pray with it. We just had a, um, I just had a, a live stream the other, the other week about how to pray with sacred tobacco. And we also, um, did a prayer for the collective. So it can be quite useful um, uh, once you learn the basics of, you know, how to view the sacred grand maestro plant of sacred grandfather, Abuelo Mapacho spirit. We actually worked with Abuelo Mapacho spirit um, and I lit a candle to him as well. So, and he's, he's known in South America a lot. And although a little bit up here in North America too. So anyway, those are just a couple of things. Uh, my sister is also a excellent, excellent practitioner at our Patreon. And she focuses I mean, on so many things, some of them shamanic dreaming, uh, shamanic journeying. Those are just two of the big ones. Um, and she's teaching a class dreaming in the nine worlds. And uh, she'll have some other uh, announcements. So you can join at www.patreon.com forward slash shamanic earth medicine. And you can join as low as a dollar and get one video a month, one live stream a month. And sometimes you get two for a dollar. Uh, the $5 a month level is for the Zoom ceremonies where you're, you're always invited to come to the ceremony. And those are a lot of fun. And um the $15 a month level is all of the aforementioned, what we just said, the ceremony, the live streams. And you also get a shamanic divination from either one of us uh, included in that. And then you also, at the current time of this recording, get a uh, really low price for Marissa's class, uh, Dreaming in the Nine Worlds. So if you join at the $15 a month level, that's all you pay for her class. Um, it's like included in that package. So um, we're always 
having a good time there and doing all sorts of neat rituals. And so it's, it's a really fun community. So we, we encourage you to check it out. Look at the, look at the webpage, see if you like it. All right. Well, I'm wrapping it up now and you know what I'll do? I'm going to show you my rattle. Maybe next time what I'll do is try and open and close sacred space. But for now, here's my rattle. Speaking of music. Now I technically should have opened sacred space. I didn't do that. I did do it earlier today, but not on camera. But what I'm doing now is closing sacred space. And some of you have heard of that. And much like a story or a performance or any kind of interaction, there's always an opening and a closing, right? A beginning, a middle, and an end. And a lot of times the directions are involved. So north, south. Sometimes you might do Earth, sky, earth. And then I'll show you something else. Something I like to do before and after I do any kind of like, um, you know, any kind of ritual activity, even just my mantras or whatever in the morning or if I'm getting ready to do a ceremony. I, this is, I don't know if you can see this, there's like different colors here, but I like to kind of blow on them. That's like the four directions. So I, may, I might say, thank you, Spirit of the Rattle. Gracias, Spirit of the Rattle. And let's say I was, if I knew I was going to work with certain deities today, I would probably say thank you to those, you know, to those deities. Um, like if I was going to work with Abuelo Mapacho, you know, I would say, gracias, Abuelo Mapacho. Gracias, Abuelo Mapacho. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your wisdom. And if I was starting out, like if I wasn't doing this already every day, which I'm getting ready to do now, I would leave maybe a little bit of, if you decide to, um, you don't even have, you don't have to be a smoker to do this. In fact, you know, people who don't smoke are at an advantage because they don't have um, a, what shall we say, a, you know, the, what, what the typical idea of tobacco is, that it's a terrible thing, which it, it is it, in its form, its commercialized form, it's very toxic. But behind that, what they don't tell you is there's a spirit involved. And so when you're not a smoker, you might be a little more, I don't know, open-minded to that idea. Whereas if you're already a smoker, um, and maybe I'll talk more about that later. Um, it's kind of hard to do that because you're already kind of like, you know, it's a habit. It's really toxic, you know, so, but we're relating to it as a, a deity that's very healing because he is. Okay. So let's say you had your loose tobacco, you would take it outside and we would say, gracias, sacred grandfather, abuelo, tobacco spirit. And you would just let it drop on the ground. That's just one thing. That's not a ceremony. That's, you're not stepping on anybody's toes by doing that you're not going to get in trouble with any specific group of people by doing that i'm not teaching you a specific ceremony okay we're just talking about basic relationships that are basic is like they're actually really important you know like fundamental basic relationships like you can't pass go and collect 200 unless you know these basic relationships in my book people who try to skirt around these relationships by the way beware of those people i'm not talking about like doing exactly what i'm doing i'm saying people who don't do things like offerings whatever form they are people who don't think that they need to clear their energy bodies after they do a healing people who don't think they need to tell you you know make sure you're aware that you might want to do this, that, and the other, you know, like, because they're actually concerned about your well-being instead of just doing what they need to do with you. You know, be wary of these things. Um, and just try to look at 
shamanic practitioners as they're kind of working with medicine in a different way. Um, and so they need to, myself included, do frequent practice or maintenance in order to keep their energy bodies, you know, functioning. So I think I got that across pretty well. So I hope it did. And uh, I'll try again if I didn't, but I, I think um, next time we'll probably have a guest, but um, if you haven't noticed already, I tend to talk about a lot of different things. Sometimes I talk about sound, sometimes I talk about plant spirits like sacred tobacco, sometimes animal spirits, sometimes stone spirits, sometimes water, um, and sometimes just general animism, which kind of connects into a lot of areas. And yes, every once in a while, there is a little bit of like current day issues because we live in the now. So how do we make all this stuff kind of work together um, is kind of tricky sometimes, you know, um, before I leave you, I'll, I'll give you this thought. One of the other priorities I have as a teacher is to make sure people know in their urban or suburban environments that they don't have to go to Machu Picchu to practice, you know, connecting with the spirits of the land or the spirits. Um, and I probably need to back up in an episode and tell you why it's necessary to do that in the first place. But, you know, you don't, you don't have to go to these places. Um, sure, it's nice if you can, if you have the money to do it and you have the, you know, the health and the, and the um, availability, you know, sometimes it's, it has nothing to do with money or health. It has to do with just availability, but you don't have to. And I've been practicing this for over 10 years without, yes, I do need to renew myself in a natural environment, but I also know that you know, I can do things in my own environment that, you know, knock on wood, seem to work okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a little tricky sometimes, but it's workable, you know. So, okay, well, I hope to see everyone in a happy, healthy 2024. Uh, so, I uh, hope to see you soon and thank you for listening today to the Now Moment Journey podcast. Mm -hmm.